I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and people who are interested in talking and listening about knives. And uh, my name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With us, as always, Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts. What's up? And His Highness, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Hola, hola. <laughs> it's been a nice long week. Everybody's been getting a lot of work done, I'm sure. Craig, what have you been up to, my man? How's your YouTube channel coming along? Um, good. It was good fun to do, actually. It it made me realize how much work is involved. So big respect to, you know, the guys who put out stuff all the time, you know, Alex Steele and Jeremy, Simple Little Life, these, these guys. To make it, you know, seem half decent is a lot, a lot of work. Um, but I really enjoyed it. There's been lots of really good feedback. Um, I've got a list of other subjects which will be coming in the, in this sort of coming days as well. Um, yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing a bit more of that. Nice. I liked how you handled your first episode, uh, really grabbing the bull by the horns and wondering whether or not things are cheating. Uh, is it cheating? I, I thought that that was very bold of you to start in with that. And with that said, I think everyone should watch Craig's episode so to know what we're talking about. Yes, Chop Knives on YouTube. So, uh. I mean, I, it's a bit of a cop-out, I'll be fair. So looking at every, everybody seems to have a sort of style on YouTube, you know. You know, Alex got this amazing, you know, cinematic, lots of sparks, you know, looks looks incredible. But the production that goes into it is is just so much work. And the reason yeah. I'm doing this is because I do have lots of downtime now. Having twins in the house, you know, you literally just sit in the room with them. So I can't be in the shop as much. So I thought, well, I can, I can be editing. So it was a bit of a cop-out. So I just thought if I just do just a talking to camera, one camera, <clears throat> talking away, it's it's very little work to be done. You know, it's literally, you know, it can be done within the hour. So so that's the reason for that particular <laughs> style. So, yeah, I think it, over time I'll just develop a style and we'll see where we go. See where we go. Well, it seems to me like a lot of these guys, one of the consistencies in their videos, and I, do, I, I watch Alex's videos and I watch Jeremy's videos. Hmm. There's a there's like a system in regards to the shots. And I think that if you kind of break down all the different shots, I think that it'll be more efficient for you in regards to how you go about doing it. I don't, they're not willy-nilly. They know that they need a certain amount of shots where he's walking. Yeah. And I think that that's how these guys, um, all these TV people do that too. They, they know how many of these particular type of angle shots that they need. And then it, it allows you to be a little bit more focused and you get a little bit more faster uh, getting it down yeah well that's what i've been doing this morning so th- the next video which is going live um it'll be this week by the time you hear this on monday um is right. um is stainless stainless so i've got samples of different steels and i'm putting them in different liquids overnight and that kind of thing to see what stains um oh, good. So, so that's going to be a lot more you know rather than just me talking to camera there's going to be a lot more sort of angle shots that kind of thing so that'll be interesting to see how that turns out um but I think that the actual results of the test will be interesting too, because you know we all know stainless isn't stainless. But you know how far can you take it? What you know what can it take? That's that's the idea of the video, at least. Sure. Stain so impervious. What, exactly. Versus exactly. versus staining literally less than carbon steel. Yeah. 
Yeah. We uh we've always uh <clears throat> used the expression they call it stain less, not stain never. They were they figured out <laughs> that uh they figured out that it uh you know, this isn't uh Stain impervious. Yeah, stain resist a bit more resistant, maybe. Well, what about sure. yourself, Marekka? What have you been up to? Ah, uh, it's been a busy week. Um, I actually this last week I was in New York City, the big city. Um, I had some fancy people, really cool people that I actually uh, got some time with uh, to meet up. Uh, I met up with Dana Cowan, who is the former editor in chief of Food and Wine magazine. Uh, she has a podcast now called uh, Speaking Broadly, and it's it's featuring uh, women in the culinary uh, world and a lot of women who don't get a lot of kind of media, um, whether it's, you know, publish or or video or, or audio. And so she's helping to give uh, those women uh, more of a voice and telling their story. Uh, I also met up with our man, Tim Musig at uh, JB Prince Company. Had a nice Love chat Tim. with him. Yeah, met up with him. He's a great guy. I love hanging out with him. He's so cool. He's super smart and he's super cool. And he's always got a lot of great insight to share just because he, before he became C, uh, what is he? C, he is CEO of the company. Um, he worked in restaurants also. I think he actually went to culinary school uh, at one point, uh, you know, back in, in his 20s. And he's not super old. I think he's. You know, he's younger than Jeff, at least. And, um, <clears throat> means you know what, you motherfucker, you know what, you fucking, you little bastard, you little bastard, that's outrageous. Uh, but anyways, he's a really smart guy, uh, beautiful showroom, they're doing a lot, of, going through a lot of changes there. Uh, and then after that, I went up and I got a hold of, I follow this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, I know Craig is familiar with Gary's work, ah, um, yes. but he's like a, kind of a social media marketing branding kind of guy and uh and i connected with his uh branding manager uh i met i met him uh back in uh i think actually about a year ago in toronto i went to a uh a keynote speech where uh or like a social media event where gary was talking and i met i met uh andy k there and uh and so we connected i was in the city it was very last second i'm like hey and he's like yeah come up and we'll hang out and we spent a solid like hour and a half, two hours BSing, walk around the the mm. the, the headquarters of Vayner Media, and which was pretty intense for me and nerve wracking. Made me a little nervous because I've wa- I watch his uh, YouTube channel. I used to follow it super closely. I watch it from time to time now, but he's just like he's got connect. Like everybody wants to work with Gary when it comes to the branding and marketing side. So, so Mareko, I got a question. So, when you went down and you met, you went to Heritage Radio. The podcast you went to was a, on Heritage Radio, right? Yeah, Heritage Radio Network. It's right there in did Bushwick, you, Brooklyn. Did you were you were you interviewed or did you go on or were you just no hanging no out? no? I was I was there. Oh, 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 oh. she did a uh, she did a like a giveaway contest in a way where she um, she's trying to help promote the the podcast and try to reach more people and in a meaningful way and so. The the idea was that oh if you share the podcast with somebody you'll get entered into this drawing and so I I did it like five or six times and I didn't try I was trying to be sure I wasn't like spamming people and tried to uh, tag people who would actually find the podcast interesting and she ended up picking me hmm. and so the deal was to come hang out while she does an interview and then we went and got lunch afterwards 
And, uh, you know, the, the lunch could have been like 40 minutes and she, she could have been like, okay, well I got better things to do, uh, and left, but she didn't, we ended up hanging out for about three hours. Uh, it was really, really cool conversation. She's an awesome woman. Uh, and she's, you know, she, she's got all this, like she being, being the editor in chief of food and wine, like she helped to create this kind of food centric world that we live in now, at least in the United States and, and, uh, giving, uh, a spotlight to chefs, uh, back when food network was, uh, originating, like starting out basically. And, um, and, uh, and it, you know, she helped to create this world that we, that we as custom knife makers who specialize in chef's knives can have a place to make do work that people care about. Cause if people didn't care about chef's knives, we probably wouldn't really, we would have found a, another outlet. Craig would have been carving spoons. Jeff would have been <laughs> doing metal monkey sculptures. I don't, I probably would still be washing dishes in restaurants, <laughs> sadly, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's, she's been pretty uh, pivotal in, in creating that world that people care about cooking and therefore care about chef's knives. That's a great name. And broadly speaking, I mean, that's such a, New York term is in broads. So I was, I was imagining you there, yeah. Morocco, in a dress, you know, shaving your beard off and, you know, trying to get away with um, an interview while you're there. But time to time, the, from time to time. What the hell, what the hell does that mean? What the hell, what, what are you doing? What are you doing to this pot? What are you talking about? <laughs> they interview, is, they interview, know, they interview ladies, they interview women, they interview females in the, in the. I understand, uh, understand. And Morocco went, so I assumed he was being interviewed. Oh, so I thought oh. we were going to be hearing from I don't know, Maria Malmasi, you know, shave his beard off, ah. he's sitting there in a dress. Oh. It, was, it was a sad attempt at a, at a joke, Jeff. <laughs> really sad <laughs> I wanted to make you suffer a little bit. I let you go on, keep going. Let's talk, talk some more about it. <laughs> what have you been up Very to, good. Jeff? Well, it was a strange, strange, strange week. Uh, we, uh, I, I have a, uh, I want to add into the whole. Uh, uh, shit episode because I fucked myself up a little bit. We'll talk about that later. But I, uh, we, uh, one of the things that we're doing now is uh, I've been talking to Tomer at Florentine Knives since about ah, yes. uh, he reached out to me in, uh, in the summer and he said, "Would you be interested in doing like a residency?" And I said, "Let's talk about it." And I really, Tomer is a dynamite guy. We've talked about it a million times. He's a super super smart guy, and he's got a shop called Florentine Kitchen Knives in Barcelona. So he was asking me if I'd ever be interested in doing a residency, and I said, let's talk about it sooner rather than later. So in November, we started talking about it, and then we, let's, we, we kind of flushed out the idea of doing um, a workshop, uh, uh, like a knife-making workshop. And <clears throat> it's going to be really interesting, and we just kind of had to do it a lot different than a lot of, like, American-style knife-making classes because of, you know, the how uh, his shop is, is it's – it's half retail, half workshop, and they're not doing heat treating, and there's no anvils and forges. So we had to kind of like figure out the best way to do these kind of classes uh, when giving people the opportunity to do this with a, with a certain amount of uh, restrictions that are going to work for people. And uh, we figured it out. And then after Christmas, we said, well, let's just kind of do a little bit of this and that and the other thing. And then we just finally went back and forth with his business, my business, and we worked out a newsletter and we just said, well, let's just see if people are interested. So we send out to our customers and we got an overwhelming response. Um, so uh, now we're just trying to, we were, 
feeling out to see if people would be uh, interested in going to Barcelona um, to uh, make dives for a couple days. And then uh, we've got good responses, and now we're kind of ironing out the dates and kind of signing people up. There's uh, And we're going to do it in July, in the beginning of July, and <clears throat> it was a very, very exciting for me um, – great way uh to get my family over there too so nice that's that was really 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 cool and then um i have a lot of work uh i have this nice young man who is coming in who wants to be an apprentice and he he came in uh uh, a couple days ago and did a great job so we're gonna see what happens with him good good kid really good kid and then um i was interviewed on our, our our friends Fans of the Forge. I was interviewed on them after uh, they reached out. It's a podcast <laughs> and YouTube channel um, for. It's like a wrap up show of Forge and Fire and Man at Arms and all I, those. I uh, caught a bit of your interview shows. this morning. They put it up on YouTube. Yeah. It looked like an ISIS re- recruitment video. I've got to say, <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> they're all what? lined up and it, they're talking you to you. <laughs> You know what? You are you are absolutely right. It totally looked like a hostage situation because they're sitting there like with this weird background and they're all very kind of like, you know, uh, it's Sean and Chris and Teresa. And Teresa looked like she was suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. I, I got a feeling that like, you know, I, I, it, and it didn't help that uh, I was recording from where I'm recording right now in my little podcasting booth and it's dark and I was wearing dark clothes. And then underneath it, my they had, he had my logo on it. And the funny thing is, is when they design, when my buddy uh, Young Dean designed the Fader Knives font, the way it's kind of perched, it does have a, you know, Al-Aqsa <laughs> Martyr Brigade kind of ISIS vibe going that I, on a, Yeah, it's got a definitely like, you know, it definitely had a, and I'm kind of barking <laughs> from the shadows. So it definitely has this kind of like, uh, yeah, hostage video situation. So, uh, but we had a good time. We, they, they're, they're huge fans of the podcast and uh, huge fans of you guys. And they, they, they were, they were shooting out little things that, I, you know, I was surprised they actually listened. Um, so we did that, and that was a lot of fun too. You're a, you're a nice. media whore, Jeff. Media whore. Uh, well, that's fine. Well, you know, <laughs> He's not that bad. Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> what do you want me to say? You know what? You're not wrong. And uh, I, you know, you get these. Op- Here's the thing: you get these opportunities, and what are you going to do? You're going to say no to how many times are you going to say no before people stop asking you? It's no. So it gets to the point right. where right. it, it gets to the point with everything that you know, and, and you know, it's interesting too with the whole uh, Florentine knives. I, I got a little bit of heat from some guys, some knife makers who were just like, well, what about me? Or what about me? Why can't, why, why, how's, how's he doing this and I'm not? And it, it got to the point where I was just like, hey, man, listen, you say no and I say yes. So you get to the point where if you don't take any, uh, if you don't take any opportunities, you don't take opportunities when they're presented, um, you know, you can't, people stop asking. So stop asking. I try to. So, like, when we, you know, when these podcasts want me to be on, I, I don't usually say no. And it, it helps me, too, because it helps me try to kind of figure out, you know, how to be better at you know, public speaking and a little bit more, uh, you know, entertaining and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, no, it's all fine. good. The, but, I said the bits that I've seen of the, the fans of the Forge podcast you did were, were really good. I just haven't had the time to sit through it all yet, but it's really good. Very, very good stuff. No, it was funny. It was, you know, it was, we had a good time and I, I, you know, I didn't go overboard. Uh, we, there was a lot of spicy Mike talk. I did hear. talk about him some more. <laughs> so spicy Mike won, <laughs> won Forged and Fire. Is that right? That, is that what they said on the show? 
We're going to talk about Spicy Mike. I'm going to my community showcase. We can talk all about Spicy Mike. Yeah, Good that stuff. was. If you want, if you really want to know, if you want, listen to the new fans of the Forge episode. Give them a follow. Pump my pump my fucking episode numbers up. Don't you know? Let's 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 let these other guys. You know, we're, we're, we gotta stick to it. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, caught. I was caught off guard by uh, spicy mic information. And there's my plug for fans of the Forge. Go listen to them. Good we're stuff. with them. Good stuff. Let's talk about one of our sponsors. Yeah. We've actually got three sponsors from now on. So even he who kicked off the show. Hey. We've got our next right. sponsor, which is AMK or AM Concepts, amktactical.com. Yeah. They make amazing grinders. Um, you get 10% off um, anything on their store. And as well as grinders, they also do contact wheels. They'll do lots of little jigs, bits and pieces. Um, by using the code AMK10, you're going to get that 10% off. The prices are already amazing. And I think, Mareko, I think you had a delivery this week, didn't you? Yeah, I got it delivered. I got it set up. It's a good-looking machine. I am actually getting ready to do some uh, – I think I'm going to do a little video work tomorrow, grinding on it and cleaning up some material for a new billet of Damascus that I'm working on. But, yeah, it's a nice machine. It's well-made for sure. So we've got you covered for ovens. We've got you covered for grinders. And there's one thing we haven't got you covered for yet, but stick with the show because in about 10 minutes you're going to learn about a new sponsor and a new promo as well. I will say that that was a high level tease right there, high level <laughs> tease. And 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 just to say, just to say, let's just let's just get out with it and say thank you to our fans because um, our fans, the people who listen to this podcast, are supporting our sponsors, and that's the most important thing. Right. Um, and they're happy. Our sponsors are happy, and this is how happy they are. Even Heat sent me a bottle of whiskey. And if they're happy and they're sending me <laughs> bottles of whiskey, that means that you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing, and that's good. I so, got one of those too. Say, hey, we oh got, man, I'll keep quiet. Here. I'll keep tasty. quiet. <laughs> tasty, well, you didn't get tasty. anything. You didn't get any. You didn't get any whiskey. I didn't. Craig? But I, do you know what? I I bloody hate whiskey. I hate whiskey, and I've I've got a bit of a story about whiskey. So again, it was another conference, but this was a conference I was speaking at. This was about ten years ago. And there's about seven or 800 people who I know will be attending and I'm speaking. So you go out the night before with the other speakers and you have a few drinks. And we went to this bar and this guy was getting whiskey for everybody. And I was like, oh, man, I can't drink whiskey, even the smell of whiskey. I just can't do it. He said, the problem is you haven't been drinking the right whiskey. So he disappears. He comes back 10 minutes later and he's got 12 shots of different whiskeys. And he sits me down and we... He almost forces me to drink a shot of each one of these. And he's telling me the difference. You know, this one's really peaty. This one's really smoky. And I'm just like, they all tasted like shit. So anyway, the next day I wake <laughs> I wake up. And you know when you've got that, that fire in the back of your eyes. And you're just like, oh, man, I feel like shit. Anyway, I get up. I do my talk on the stage now in front of you know 800 people. As I'm coming to the end of my talk, I can feel the sick coming up. It's bubbling in my stomach. And I'm sure I'm sure the oh, mic is no. picking up the noises Christ. of all this bubbling. And I'm just like, oh, no, no. I cut the talk short. I run sort of into the wings, literally just get behind the curtain. And I was just sick everywhere. I'm pretty oh, sure everyone oh in the audience God. knew exactly what happened. They, they probably <laughs> smelt it, to be honest. It was disgusting. So oh. since then, I've never drunk whiskey. And even the smell of it is just, oh, disgusting stuff. Not, not good for there, me. There has to be, a, there has to be a video of that speech somewhere on the internet, isn't there? 
There probably is. There probably is. I don't know. But um, they didn't oh, have social gotta... media back. They didn't have social media back then. Yeah, YouTube didn't did. exist back then. They did. They didn't have no YouTube back then. No, no, no. Maybe not for you, old timer. All right. Well, you know, you're not wrong there. Well, I will say that uh, I I used to actually live in this building with uh, a friend of mine who was a, a representative of Johnny Walker, and I had a very similar experience. When you deal with these brand ambassadors from Johnny Walker, when they come, you invite them over to your house. They don't bring a bottle of wine; they bring you a bottle of Gold Label Johnny Walker. So he did. I got the same thing. He he wanted me to. I was like, ah, I'm not a big Scotch guy. He's like, oh, you need to taste it. You need to taste. I brought me up to his room. There were cases of whiskey everywhere. There were more whiskey than it, furniture. And he starts giving me um, taste of this and Lagavulin here and this and that and the other thing. I swear to God, I rolled down the stairs. I fell asleep on the couch, and I didn't wake up until three o'clock the next morning. And my wife, uh, afternoon, and my wife said to me, "If this is going to happen, we're either going to break up or we're going to have to move." And like, <laughs> no more, no more, no more scotch for me. So it is, it is a, you know these motherfuckers who do that. They oh well, you just don't know what you're doing. If they say I don't like whiskey, leave them alone. Okay, let's yeah. let's move on. Shh. I'll never do that again. Um, things that have happened in the workshop um, or studio or smithy, whatever you want to call it, from our listeners. And I, I said last week that we keep getting these. Everybody keeps making mistakes, so maybe our listeners are just a bit stupid. But uh, <laughs> I really didn't mean it. I, I had a few messages from people. That, what? I really didn't, I really didn't mean that. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no complaint corner? No complaint corner? We don't get any audio oh, complaints? It's just the complaints are just from me, huh? I've kept yeah. these to myself. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, you kept them. You kept them. I'm the one who shares. All right, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I like you to get beat up a little bit too, you know. Listeners, please don't take it personal. He was making it. He was definitely making a joke. We've don't all, apologize. We've made most you know of these mistakes ourselves. So don't, don't there's don't no take it reason personal. to apologize. There's no reason to apologize. Don't apologize to these people. Their job is to listen. We talk and they listen. That's the that's how this is. You know, <laughs> don't don't apologize. I will say that I had a terrible uh, uh, I, I, Monday Monday morning. I had a real. Uh, I hope I never do that again. And it got to the point it was terrifying. I was actually um, – I was cutting some um, wood on my table saw. And I am a big safety guy. Everything with the blade, I use – I got push sticks everywhere. I'm terrified because I actually went to the hospital a number of years ago. I was cutting a Corby bolt flush. And I, it was dull and the Corby bolt was dull, you know, dulling the blade. And I pushed too hard and I, I touched my finger to the porto band. And we had to go – I mean I went halfway through to go to the hospital. So everything's push sticks. Everything's push sticks. So I'm doing the push sticks. I'm doing the push sticks and I must have had the blade on the circular saw too high. I think that my, tol- my, my, my guide was a little bit too far, too close to the blade. I was cutting a block to make a pair of scales. The push stick hit the blade. The push stick came crashing – backwards and smash into my thumb i swear to god i thought i broke my hand it was it was i was that's right i was terrified and the real terror came from the fact that i thought well what happened if something really bad happened and all of a sudden you're thinking not only of your own safety but you're thinking well now what about the business what about my family what about earning what about what about you know all of a sudden it's like it's not like you know you can you know, the business stops. If I'm not making knives, I'm not making money. So that was what got ter- – I got terrified. Yeah. And um, and it got me very much along the lines of anytime these kinds of things happen, I always go back and think, all right, well, I got to change the way I do certain things. So so now I'm not going to – I'm going to do passes on the on the, on the the circular saw at a lower heights and then make – you know, just kind of rip, rip, rip and not do 
ones. I had a brand new blade. I thought I'd just go right through. And it was, you know, it was too tight. Everything was too tight. And I, I'm not going to, I'll never do that again. I hope. Mm. Not good. Not good. Let's, let's go no. with our first reader. Um, I'll never do that again. It's reader, reader, listener. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Let's go with our first <laughs> listeners. I'll never do that again. It's James Watson's Knives. And he said, I'll never do this again. I was allowing my visiting friends to load and set off his dishwasher without supervision. So in the morning, he discovered all of his high-carbon knives were now rusty, rusty homemade knife. Ugh. Okay. Um, yeah, we've, we've <laughs> all seen that, haven't we? We've all seen, you know, family members yeah. coming to stay and they're fiddling with the knives and just like, just leave them, please. Please just leave them. Don't touch them. Well, you know, people want to be, not, guests like to be, you know, good. I mean, ultimately, it was a good guest because they wanted to be helpful. Most of our guests you know, fuck away off out of the kitchen. You know, they're not, you know, they're not helping with the dishes. So, so James Watson, yes, you know, there should have been some, I blame you. I don't blame your guests. Your guests were being very polite. So, you know, they didn't know, they're, you know, it's the way it is, but you're a good guy and you'll never do that again. Fine. All right. This next one is from the undisputed champ, Mike DePel. I forged a straight peen hammer with Brent Bailey. Big deal. High praise. The steel is 4140. Like an idiot, I quenched in water. It cracked near the peen end, quenching 4140 in water. I'll never do that again. Shit. I've heard when you listen to the Blacksmith's Pub, they actually talked about, you know, 4140 is very, uh, what uh, I guess from what uh, our buddy uh, John Ariani, Sunset Forge, says is when he's heat treating uh, 4140. He, if he uses water, you're apparently you're supposed to say a couple Hail Marys before you jump in water. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I think it's, a, you know, those things is you don't know until you know. And, uh, he, you know, apparently 4140 is better in oil. But if you do water, you got to just like it's a roll of dice. Right. Interesting. Uh, all right. So Stoner's RT4. So I went to change flap disks and grab the spanner wrench tool thing. Stuck it in the two holes on the nut, and instead of pressing the lock button on the grinder, I hit the on-off switch. The wrench spun around so hard it chipped the bone in my wrist. Then it flew across the garage and hit my fiance's car and put a dent in the door. Please don't tell her. Please don't tell her. Thanks. I love the podcast. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Well, that first, first be- off, big up the, uh, the four-and-a-half-inch angle grinder community. <laughs> <laughs> those motherfuckers but man we're all yeah. in that we're in all in there those little those little spanners you know to change the discs they're, they're just a pain they always slip off don't they but man what's 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 your girlfriend's car doing in the in the shop jeez also right. why are you why didn't you unplug it i mean i know you're trying to save some time but that's not i don't it. you you unplug your right angle grinder before you change the disc sure every time yeah, it takes two fucking seconds. Oh, wow. Come on, man. I don't. Come wow. on, man. Come on, man. I, you know, the other thing is, is I never, I do, I do, you know, here's writing a grinder community talk. It, it, you only, you only need to have the nut to be, you know, finger tight. I don't know why everyone needs to crank it down so hard. So you can, when you take your glove and if you have it finger tight enough and you grab the whole disc, you usually can just crack it off. But I've never unplugged it beforehand. Uh, maybe I have. 
If well, you had a paddle switch, you can get in trouble. So here's the deal. You were just talking about safety and being afraid of, you know, what happens yeah. if you break your damn <laughs> of thumb off. You're absolutely this right. This is that exact reason that you take two seconds to unplug the damn thing. Because what happens if you're holding on to the disc and you accidentally hit the on-off switch and you're holding on to the fucking thing and it cuts right through your hand and cuts half your damn yeah. hand off? Yeah, Unplug right. the damn thing. Sorry, I'm. You're right. I'm blowing the you're right. audio. Going Sorry. going back to um, we don't we don't about table saws earlier. So Jeff was talking about his. I um, turned that motherfucker. I unplugged that motherfucker that before I changed that one. Scares oh my god! That thing. I put handcuffs on it. Have you seen the one? I, it's the brand name. I can't remember what the brand name is, but they they've got like a break on there, and they can sense like flesh when a, when flesh goes to touch the blade. Yeah, it's the yeah. the blade stops. Something they like stick that. A, isn't it? Yeah. They like to they stick a wiener on there. Yeah. Touch the blade against the wiener. And then it doesn't cut the wiener. Yeah, and I do. It yeah, destroys it, your dress, your desk, doesn't it? Apparently, uh, and you know you need to buy yeah, a yeah. new braking system and so on. But you know, it's a life. You know, it could be a lifesaver. Yeah, those, sure. those saws are. You know, look. It's, if this was easy and this was safe, everybody would be doing it. Hmm. The right angle grinder community. Uh, you're right. You're right. It's super dangerous. There should be like a breaker. If you had like a breaker on on your unplugging, it's crazy because you you're never up with a right angle grinder. You're never up against the the outlet. You always have a you always you're always on a extension cord. Mm. You need right? some feng shui I mean, in your shop, then, bro. <laughs> well, they don't make they don't make the cords to be you know ten feet long. So every grinder is you're not up against the wall either usually um, because usually what happens is is you have your vice against uh, facing the. Uh, facing the outlet you're shooting sparks in the outlet and you're shorting your outlet out so he's usually like you usually have it on an extension cord but if they had like a little breaker so you could make sure that it isn't going to turn it isn't going to turn on when you're that would be a good idea we're, we're not all working in the laps of luxury jeff where we can't be right next to the outlet i literally my outlet was right behind me because the grinding room was three feet wide and the vice was facing away from it, so I'm not shooting sparks in it. But literally, all I had to do was turn around and unplug the stupid thing. But so. that's the whole point of the right angle <laughs> grinder community. If we if we were rich and we had water jets and computers, we wouldn't be in the right angle grinder community. The whole idea is <laughs> this is a cheap, inexpensive, terrifying piece of equipment that we all unfortunately have to use. And we don't want to, but we're not rich enough to not want, you know, to get out of it. Wherever, this is the point. This is, this is the whole point of the right angle grinder community. It's an awful, necessary, we're, we're married to it. You're right, though. But I ain't unplugging every single time I change the thing. I mean, that ain't happening. The move really is, is if you have a metal shop, is you have three, they're so cheap, you get three grinders. You have one with a wire cup, one with a, um, with a, uh, a sanding, di- a grinding disc, and one with a rock. And then, and then, you, and then you go back and forth. That's what we used to do because they're so cheap. It's better to have one with each. Earning too much money, Jeff. Three grinders. Right angle grinder community, baby. You got to be high level in the right angle. If you got to, you know, you got to use the system right. And you, you know, know what? People can become a member, an official member of the right angle grinder community um, <laughs> for only thirty dollars. And you also get a free, oh. you also get a free T-shirt. That's just, that's just a side, you know, thing to be in part of the community. <laughs> so is that the new T-shirts, the right angle grinder? That's the new T-shirt. T-shirt. So that'll be available from today. <laughs> so today is Monday. Oh, really? They'll be available. All that right. Awesome. <laughs> Shout out to the right angle grinder community. <laughs> Let's talk about our new sponsor then. We've got a brand new sponsor on board. We talked earlier. We've got you covered for kilns. We've got you covered for a grinder. 
The only other thing that you, you really need to make knives are abrasives. So we've just gone to the best. I mean, there's no point in messing around. We've gone straight to the best. So Combat Abrasives are our new sponsor. They're giving everybody 10% off all of their orders, and that's for everything. They do belts, they do discs, they do epoxies, stabilized woods. They do the lot now. It's a one-stop shop. So wow. 10, 10% off all of your orders with the promo code KNIFETALK10. So that's at combatabrasives.com. They're Combat Abrasives on Instagram. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And they're great. They're brilliant. So I use them. I think Morocco and Jeff, you both use them too. Go and Dude, use that. The 36 shredder has completely blown my mind. Like I I can grind so much steel and it still feels like it's a brand new blade. Or mm. sorry, brand new brand new belt. And um yeah, it's just yeah, I the amount of life that I've been getting out and the amount of work that I get out of it, and I'm trying I'm not being delicate with it, like when I first got on, I was like, all right, let's see what this can really do. And I was just blasting through cleaning up billets and grinding blades. And it was impressive, super impressive. And yeah. one thing that this is going to be really good about is, you know, we're, our sponsors are, are top of the line, Even Heat, AMK, Customs. But now, you know, you, supporting Combat Abrasives is great because now you can support the podcast by, by, by buying your stuff from there. We're giving you value and we're not – we're not, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money to get the ten percent off. You know, you, you, this is a way for you to support our podcast without. We're not doing paywalls. We're not doing Patreon. The way you can be supportive is to support our customers, and this is a way, an inexpensive way for you to support our sponsors, which we appreciate. Yeah, yeah, and you know, they're very affordable too. I mean, I'm using, I've been using them for some time now, and Mareko just mentioned the the 36 grit shredders. I've been using the 60 grit, and I didn't realize they did a 36 till Mareko told me this week. So I've just ordered some, um, and they're just really affordable too. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't be using them anyway. Plus 10 percent off. Exactly. Knife talk. What is it? Knife. What's the what's the promo code? Knife talk 10. All right. Knife talk 10. So that's combat abrasive. Combatabrasives.com. Give them some love. Come on. Community showcase. Community showcase. Things within the community that we we love and we think more people should be appreciating. So mine is going back to we mentioned earlier um, things like um, talks and that kind of inspirational talks, that kind of thing. Um, mine is the do lectures. So not necessarily specifically for knife makers, um, but the do lectures on well do lectures dot com or the do lectures on Instagram. They do. If you think of TED Talks without that sort of wankiness about them, you know, without without all that sort of <laughs> oh, gloss. And, yeah. They're, it's basically done on a farm in Wales every year. Um, they get inundated with – you need to apply to attend to start with. And they get inundated with applications. They take just 100 every year. And that's their thing. They say it'll never scale. This, this, this is it, 100. Um, it's pretty expensive, but it's incredible. You have three days of um, – extremely sort of interesting talks um talks from inspirational people i went in i think it was 2015 i went and it changed the way that i work the way i think about things so yeah check them out the do lectures they're run by a friend of mine david hyatt who runs hyatt denim which i've talked about in the past super inspirational guy himself um so just go and have a look at what they do and that's the do lectures nice very very good i think jeff's still waiting for his pants 
Uh, I'll keep waiting. It's all right. Don't <laughs> worry about me. I'm with you. Um, uh, well, for I wanted to. I just wanted to do a shout out, and uh, my community showcase person is based on the last episode. The last <laughs> episode of the podcast. The last five minutes of the last episode was probably my favorite <laughs> moment of any time ever doing a podcast. Because what happened was we were talking about this event that is now we're talking to you in the future because it's Saturday morning. Tomorrow, Sunday, uh, Mareko is going to be competing against his um, his shopmate, Jamie Lundell, in a, a forging competition where each heat he was explaining, he's going to be forging a knife that they, that they have to replicate uh, and to buy heats. As you know, each time you have a heat, you have a certain amount. They, what they have to do is they have to buy heats by eating Hot wings. So listen to the last episode. He talks about that. And at the end, we're asking how he prepares. He said, you know, very nonchalantly, they got this guy named Spicy Mike who come, who came on. <laughs> and then I don't know. It was I think it was the delivery. It was the fact, that, you know, there was somebody actually named Spicy Mike and Craig and I lost our minds. And so I felt like <laughs> and it was I mean, it, it literally that last five minutes completely ruined the rest of my day. I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> about Spicy Mike. It was the, it was it was like we had the giggles. I don't know what happened. We had the giggles. We had a great it was it was hysterical. I couldn't stop talking about it. And then when I went on a forge and fire, uh, uh, for, uh, fans of the forge, they wanted to talk about Spicy Mike. So I said, "Yeah, you know, this is this guy, Spicy Mike." And they said, "Well, don't you know he was on Forge and Fire?" And I said, "Forge? He was on Forge and Fire?" And he says, "Yeah, he's the champion. He won Forge and Fire." So I was like, "What? I thought this guy was a hot sauce guy." <laughs> so Spicy Mike, we're gonna. I'm giving a shout out to Spicy Mike, and then I'm gonna beat his ass a little bit too. So Spicy Mike's uh, Instagram handle is Seventh Dragon Knifeworks. And he's a good guy. He won Forge and Fire, Forge and Fire champion. He also makes hot sauce. And so after the episode, he was laughing. He liked the attention. He liked the, everything like that. And then I, I said to him, I'm like, I need to get, I need to get some hot sauce. I, I wrote him a thing. I'll need to get some hot sauce. He says, I'll send you some hot sauce. I said, well, I, I'll pay for the hot sauce. One thing I like to do is I don't like to ask for free shit. I like to, you know, I'm happy to pay. And I said, I'll pay, you know. And then he was like, well, you know, you did, uh, you did that thing about how much you hate PayPal. So how do you want to do it? And I said, like, I'll send you some cash. I'll put some cash in the envelope and I'll send it to, send it to him. And I wanted him to make sure that I, I wanted him to make sure that I was going to put it in. So I got a piece of paper, wrote a quick note, I wrapped a, you know, a couple, you know, some money in the envelope, stuck in the envelope, put it in the mail. I didn't think much of it. And then all of a sudden, I guess. You know the mo- the check the money came, and on Instagram go go be you make you make that choice go follow Seventh Dragon Knife Works at Spicy Mike. He read my letter and was very critical of my handwriting. So uh, it was a very nothing special. It was a nothing special letter. I was quickly writing thanks for being good support. Thanks for being a good sport. Uh, I can't wait to try your hot sauce. And then as you know, all letters you. You sign off. You say truly, yours truly, or fondly yours, or whatever. And I usually write all the best. So he writes me the DM saying, what's the middle word? Couldn't read the middle word. So here's what I have to say to you, Mike. It did. I'm with you. It, 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 it said all the best. Right. As, as all the best. Uh, oh, oh, you know, my bad, my bad. It was the third word, all right. the best. Okay. He couldn't read. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't decipher that. And so all of a sudden, Spicy Mike's getting a little fresh. And 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 and, I, and 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 all I have to say is that I just recently found out, being on Fans of the Forge, that Spicy Mike was a Forge and Fire champion, and you can watch my shock. And congratulations to Spicy Mike, and congratulations on being the champion. But if you can't read, if you can't tell that it said all the best, don't go on Wheel of Fortune. 
because you're gonna lose. <laughs> you might be the champion of Fortune Fire, but you go on, you go. They're not even gonna let you in the audience. A Wheel of Fortune <laughs> ain't gonna happen. You did, I mean, I, I. But shout out to Spicy Mike. He's a good dude. He makes great knives. Yeah. However, he, I, 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 after I bought the hot sauce, he posted this gnarly picture. He cut his hand open. And I'm thinking, I hope he. Hope he uh, wore gloves when he made my hot sauce. So uh, hopefully, you know, it was it was like it was this moment of like I was a little bit of a germaphobe. So I'm looking forward to getting the the spicy Mike's hot sauce. Go support him. He's a good dude. And uh, shout out to spicy Mike. With hands like yours, I'm surprised that you're talking shit about somebody else having. I'm not. I'm not hey, 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 hey! Uh, it's not like I'm sending out creme brulee, dude. I'm not sending out food. I'm not selling people food. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Nor would I would never sell a food product and then post a picture of my gashed up hand. Thank you what, very much. What kind of masochist <laughs> would be making hot sauce with gashes on his hand like that? It'd be terrible. You, It'd be horrible. You brought him. You brought him into our life, Mareko. You brought him into our life. Never <laughs> hey, he forget. was already this in is all your I fault. Want, why not share the love? He's actually you did. You certainly. <laughs> He's sending some hot sauces uh, our way actually for tomorrow. For we act, we got them, and uh, yeah, we're super excited to try out his ar- array of hot sauce flavors. Now, uh, one thing is, I wanted to, this is going to be important to the podcast. We need to just do one last conversation about this event because this is going to be played a Monday. Yeah, so we're talking to after. you from the past. Yep. I want to have. I want to have. Bets, not bet, not, I mean, friendly bets. We have to make picks because this is Super Bowl Sunday too. We have to make picks on who's going to win, what's going to happen. And we all need to, you know, we need to all talk about what's going to happen and see if we are right. So when this drops, (laughs) the the results have already been in. We need to make our predictions now or later in the show. Am I supposed to bet against myself? No, you're not supposed this is not betting. It's just going to say what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, my prediction: Jamie is a super strong forger. He's a black. He's been blacksmithing, and he's a farrier as well. He's been. He knows how to swing a hammer really efficiently and very quickly. I, I'm not going to be surprised if he wins this. Actually, I I'm, all right. So I'm, just I'm more sum, in it for the hot sauce. <laughs> all right. So just to sum things up, just to sum things up, tomorrow or in the past at Dragon's Breath Forge, the shop that Mareko's in, he's going to be competing against Jamie Lumdell. They're going to be forging a knife that was made by Peter, their other shopmate. And in between heats, they have to eat hot wings that are progressively getting hotter and hotter. So the harder it's going to be, it's hard enough to forge, but now they're going to have to forge and eat hot sauce at the same time. So now that's going to be a live stream. You've already, it's already over. My money's on you, Mareko, because that's how it is. I think that you, I have a feeling that you can handle hot sauce better than he can. He's this big, you know, Viking from the, from the Norway. I don't think that, uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure that how he is with hot food. I tend to think that Scandinavian people are a little bit of, a, when it comes to hot food, I'm not 100% sure if that's their move. But my money is going to be on, you're going to be loving the wings. You're going to be making little jokes. And I think you're gonna be you're gonna be sailing in smooth. <laughs> I think you got smooth sailing. I'm saying Mareko Momasi wins uh, with uh, with grace and dignity. I think Mareko is going to be distracted by the wings, maybe taking his time enjoying the wings, whilst the Viking comes in and just and just does a good job with the knives. So I'm go- I'm going to go with Mareko having a better time, enjoying himself <laughs> more, 
but not necessarily winning the competition. I, you know what? That is a good point. I, <laughs> but I'm sticking with my brother. I, I got you all the way. But I think both of us agree that you're going to be able to handle the heat a lot more than he has. I was hoping that Spicy Mike was actually going to have the, the hot sauce here because I was going to show, I was going to taste it and tell you how I have a terrible tolerance for spicy food, and it gets to the point where if you go past the threshold, I start hiccuping. So I would be a wreck. I, I wouldn't make it past Frank's hot sauce. Frank's hot sauce, and then I'm going to be hiccuping the whole time. Oh, Jesus. Shout out to Moreco. I got you all the way. Thanks. Well, I think Craig, Craig is more accurate. I'm, when it comes to these kind of little competition things that aren't televised, I, I very, I'm very nonchalant about it. <laughs> and yeah, I'm more well, about having fun than really I know about, actually compa- listen, competing. <laughs> I know about fishing. I know about fishing. And I know what you're doing. You're doing the all, all shucks. Yeah, I, I know. You're going to come in. You're going to swoop in like a gangster. And you're going to make it happen. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're doing right now. You're, you're being very good. You're very good. You're very good. But I know that I got you all the way. I got you all the way. Don't let me down. I appreciate it. I'm with you. All right. So my community showcase this week is for uh, Wilburn Forge Leather. That's Wilburn, W-I-L-B-U-R-N, Forge Leather. Uh, Francesca is, uh, I know her as Wil- uh, Francesca Wilburn. Uh, she's been married since I first met her four years ago at the Seattle International Knife Show. Uh, but she is a phenomenal knife maker uh, who has transitioned more into doing leather work, and she does incredible sheath work. She does a lot of sheaths for, um, like, the DeRosiers. She just built one for uh, Julian Antunes down in uh, – damn, where is he? I think he's in uh, Brazil, maybe Argentina. But uh, she, more than anything, like, I just wanted to spotlight her. She actually just did this contest this last week, and uh, – where she was trying to, uh, like, for this leather company, was putting up this stuff. And so I, I gave a little shout-out and did, ran a contest, like a drawing, actually, of my own to help promote her uh, her leather contest. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't win it, uh, but it's not because she doesn't do great work, because she absolutely does. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. You got to go check Man. her out. Her stuff's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, may Let's I just it. add Let's that, it. believe it or not, I'm wearing a belt from Wilburn Forge Leatherworks. There you I go. I actually, and you, I got, uh, they make awesome belts. When I first met Aaron Wilburn, I found out that his daughter makes uh, leatherwork. I bought a simple leather belt. I've been wearing it ever since. And it's cool because I like the fact that I see the stamp on there. Yeah. Aaron Wilburn's involved. I will only buy my belts from Wilburn Forge Leatherworks. You've had that damn and thing not expensive. for like five years now, right? Five, six years? They're not that, ex- they're not that expensive. I like a good, thick, uh, inch-and-a-half leather belt. Um, they do a nice job. It's inexpensive. They're not, you know, you don't have to buy ostrich and alligator all the time. You can get a nice leather belt, real nice leather belt. Um, I, I'm wearing it right now. We're cinched up right up against my, my, my hips. Well, they they do uh, they do uh, wallets as well. So belts, wallets, sheaths. They can. They actually. I think she did a a bag the other day, or the other day, uh, recently. Uh, But basically, anything that you've ever seen made in leather, they can do it, and uh, and you they can actually like custom make it for you too. So say you have a wallet, but you wish it was just a little bit different or something like that, they could do that. So get a hold of them, follow them, send them an email. Order some stuff. Put it on you. If you guys ever tried anything with leather, like making sheaths or anything like that at all, it's so hard, so hard to do neatly and to do professionally, you know? 
It's um, tricky. Out. It can be tricky. Well, that's what set me to Kydex. Yeah. And you need strong, <laughs> you need strong, strong fingers. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, we've had questions. We've had lots of questions. Um, we're going to go straight in. So the first one from Robinson Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What is better, a fly press or a manual hydraulic press? Mm. I have no idea. What are you well, using so, it for? Uh, well, usually, so the fly press is, is a press that the... A die, the top die is on like a, it's kind of like on a screw. And then you have this round wheel at the top right over your head with a, with like um, a bar that you pick up. And what you're doing is you use your strength to kind of spin the wheel and then that sends the, the, the uh, die down. So you have a manual press. It's kind of like, and the, the, what, what, so what he's looking at, it's a, it's a, you know, manual hydraulic press for the most part. I don't know hydraulic, it's a, it's a fly press, it's a screw press. And the one thing about those things are, is they're awesome, because I think that what he's, the other thing he's talking about is just basically a bottle jack, which I don't think you have as much speed. You know, like if like a bottle yeah. jack or a jack that's using for your car yeah. is going up and it's going down. But when you're dealing with hot steel... You don't have a whole lot of time to fuck around. That's why the, no. the the fly presses are good because you just you take your you take your hand and you spin it super fast and then it comes down and you're able to kind of if you have a good rhythm you can work the fly cr- press much faster. Now the big problem with the fly press is there's a handle and that handle's got a knob on it. It's very similar to like you see those cars with like a suicide doors. It's got like a driver assist or something. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking. Never yeah. mind. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. so, but if you don't pay attention. That fucker, when you spin it, will swing around and it'll crush your skull because you got to pay attention because it's right over your head. So you got to be real careful. If I were to choose between the two, I'm taking a, I'm taking a, um, I'm taking a fly press and I'm buying a hockey helmet because I know <laughs> it's going to be that is going to be the next. Uh, I hope I never do that again. I crushed my skull with the fly press. So one's a hit and one's a squeeze. Is that right? The fly press is well, going to hit like a, like a power hammer would, whereas the hydraulic press yes. is a, it's a controlled squeeze. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Well, okay. Exactly. So here's my question: How the hell are people using this for knife making? This because neither of those make sense to me. Well, I mean, I think that uh, I don't think they. I don't. Th- I don't know. I don't know a lot of knife makers. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people who are using fly presses. Fly presses are oh. usually like old, are super old school. So um, I, if you were like if you if you're trying to draw something out, I think you can with a fly press. I mean, you can if you're going working fast enough. You're able to kind of move it much quicker, kind of like you, like Craig was saying, more like a, a power hammer rather than a, a press. You're not you're, you're doing te- with a fly press. You're hitting it. It's like taps, like you're going back and forth and back and forth. So it's less of a press and kind of closer to being a power hammer. That's interesting. I've I've never seen anybody use uh, either of those kind of presses for making knives or making Damascus or anything. Well, I'd, I'd be curious to see how that's done. Well, maybe Gary V's got a video on it. He might. Maybe maybe that little that little that short little guy with a little hair with his little beanie on. He's got a fly press. Gary V on a fly press. I want to see it. All right. Our next one is from Mick, our guy McLean Customs. Uh, Tom McLean's in Tom the house. McLean in the house. Is there something out there that everyone is doing that you consider to be gimmicky or? Maybe an easier question for you to not put your foot in your mouth with is, how do you feel about flavors of the week, i.e. super steels, trendy grinds, profiles, etc.? What do you guys think? 
It's difficult because I think as new things, as people develop sort of new practices, that kind of thing, everybody wants to try it because let's face it, you know, what we do hasn't really changed that much in, you know, probably decades. So when there's something new comes out, everybody wants to try it. So yeah, it's difficult, but I think, you know, coming up, I think within the next few years, I think we're going to see things getting cheaper and cheaper as more and more people are making. So I think we're going to see things like laser cutters become much cheaper and we're going to see all that kind of stuff. So I think that could be gimmicky very, very quickly, you know, seeing sort of full etches lasered onto, mm. lasered onto a blade. And that could be gimmicky very, very quickly. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, you see a lot of like Tantos, that kind of thing at the moment. And what did we talk about the other week? Is it Karambit, that, that curved, yeah. curved thing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Whatever floats your boat, I think. I think the king of the hill on trendy... Trendy, gimmicky things. I, I think that this is. I don't think there's anything that gonna, that's going to beat this. Which is when I was younger, um, and Ram, the movie Rambo came out. They came out with these like the Rambo knife was like so big. It was so big because it was like it had a little you know a screw on uh, with the top, the bottom of the the bottom of the knife had like a, a, a compass and it had the shit inside. But wasn't it just about that? What it was was they put like this these saw teeth on on the back of the knife but i've never seen the saw teeth look like an actual saw it's just like that they just cut in these like slots and the funny thing is is if you ever tried to use those rambo knives as a saw it'll work because there's no there's no like there's no uh difference in they're all they're all there's no difference in the the teeth so I always thought this is the stupidest thing. These people, when they made these, they don't even try to use them like a saw. You can't cut a tree because there's no there's no tips. That was my favorite of all the gimmicks in terms of knife making. These people make these bullshit saws. Stallone should have released that knife. He should have had a knife made for twenty nine ninety nine with a free paring knife, and he would have been a billionaire. A billionaire. Well, listen, he probably you know God bless him because he started that whole um, that that the Rambo knife was probably the biggest thing to happen to uh, the custom knife business mm. because I don't remember is Hibben is his name is Hibben that's right uh, Hibben was the guy who designed it and he designed one for everything and it was that he was the most probably uh, very critical to modern day custom knife business with a, were those Rambo knives but the problem is, is all these idiots started doing the same thing and they never put saw teeth on it and it probably because when you put it back in the sheath you're probably cutting your sheath open yeah. alright next question from JS Metalworks this is for hey man can I ask you a question I hear you three talk about setting yourself apart so what are some ways that you can do that so basically he's saying he wants to know how you set yourself apart uh, from other knife makers and you're kind of creating your own thing? I think it's about telling a story. So, I mean, if we're looking at a knife, it's a, you know, it's a sharp pointy thing. There's only so many ways you can make them. Um, you know, there's little things you can do to add your own sort of embellishments and style to it. But I think a lot of it is about your marketing side of things. So how you present the knives and how you present yourself. Um, I've just been giving this a lot of thought myself because I just put the new website up. So I really wanted to present myself in a way that was slightly different. So, you know, it, there's no, it's no black background with sparks everywhere, which we see a lot of. My thinking was, because I do culinary knives, I wanted it to be clean looking because I wanted to appeal to chefs, not necessarily to other knife makers. And that's something I'm going to talk about later as well. But I think it's... Yeah, I think I think it's all about you and your story and putting your story across because I think that's what people are buying into, really. 
Well, that also comes from, this is the reason why I make all these handpicked jokes. And that's why I started in with these, because I felt like a lot of people just see what other people are doing and then they, they mimic them. So I think that the most important thing is, is number one, um, you, I can't tell you how to be different. I can't tell you how to tell your story. But I also can say is you don't have to say the same things other people say. You don't have to do other things other people say. And when people are looking for your knife, they want you. They don't necessarily – if you wanted a, just a regular knife – you go down to the store and buy a knife and you don't, you, but they're looking for you and your story and how you present yourself. And you've got to figure out why you're different from other people. So this is a personal journey situation. I can't just tell you to, you know, start, you know, cursing and going on a podcast. You know, I, I think you need to like have a little bit of uh, wherewithal. You have to have a little bit of inner fortitude and a little bit of hard, hard, uh, hard thinking in regards to why you're different from the guy next door. So we've had a strong move from KH Daily Knives. So he's on Instagram and he was going to ask us a question, but he noticed the little microphone thing. Yeah. So he's recorded his question for us. Top tip, if you want to make sure you're included in the show, send us audio. It's always going to work. So this is KH Daily Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? How long do you keep the coffee for the coffee edge? Oh, coffee. How long do you keep the coffee for the coffee edge? Do you uh reuse it? I definitely reuse it. I mean, it's cheap enough that you could, uh, it's cheaper than a belt, a grinding belt, right? Uh, so you could re-up it every time, but I've, I've had it stick around for at least six months one time. But I, I decide on how long to keep it on, based on whether or not it's actually still working. You know, for whatever reason, it might peter out after a couple months. Um, and other times it might last six months. So I think more than anything, there's no hard fast time uh time span or lifespan for this stuff uh it just if it's getting the results you want then great keep using it if it's not time to time to make a new batch don't be cheap grew up yeah don't be cheap don't be cheap kyle come on baby uh hey man can i ask you a question why does it seem like a lot of forged knives end up being hidden tang is it because they're easier to draw out is it because of the weight or personal preference I just feel like more often uh, than not, forged blades by pros seem to be hidden tang more often than not. He said more often than not twice. I'm with you. I'm with you, Novocation. This is from Novocation, by the way. Uh, or maybe that's where I'm looking. I'm an idiot either way. Blah, 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 blah. So he wants to know why forged knives traditionally are more hidden tang than full tang. I mean, in my experience, well, I mean, traditionally... They are hidden tang, and that was because they're trying to conserve the quality material that they're making the knives from. That's not necessarily the concern today. So I think more than anything, it's an aesthetic choice. Uh, I don't think there's really the the old argument of a hidden tang stronger than a full tang, or the other way around, a full tang is stronger than a hidden tang. It's all marketing bullshit. Both are great. They have their places. Uh, so I think it's more than anything, it's an aesthetic choice. In my experience, yeah. but it is that is that is that you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, blacksmithing in general, bladesmithing in general, was it, it was at the it, back in the day. It was an econ, economy of materials and time. So you wouldn't try to take all that precious steel that you just smelted down and forged out and waste it putting it in the tang. And that's the same reason why, especially with uh, Damascus knives, if you're going to go out of your way to make a uh, Damascus knife. If you make a full tang knife, you're losing all that material. All that material yeah. is getting hidden under your scale. So that's a that is a good point, and uh, um, that is uh, something that uh, 
Good. Good one. <laughs> I think I think it's a weight thing as well, isn't it? So if you're doing a, a culinary knife, um, you don't want a big, big, heavy handle. And I know Jeff's going to talk about this a bit later. Um, <clears> but obviously, a hidden tang is going to be a lot less weight um, in, in the handle area as well. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Another one from My Lame Pex. Um, and he, I assume he, asks, if you had $1,000 to start knife making, how would you spend your money? Mm. I'd get a right angle grinder right off the bat. Oh, there he goes. Saving that money. Straight off. Straight off. That's a good save. That's $45. Okay, you got you got 900 and... <laughs> and you can buy a t-shirt then, too. Yeah. You can buy a t-shirt. Yeah, all right. So, so you, you're 75. Part of the <laughs> you get 75 out. You're 75 out. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'd say the the biggest improvement that when I first started making knives was stepping up to a two by seventy two. The the difference. I know people. Some people do amazing stuff with these little one by thirties, but stepping up to a two by seventy two yeah, grinder was massive for me in terms of quality. You're talking thousand dollars though. You're talking thousand dollars. You're making thousand dollars. What are you going to do? How are you making your knives for thousand dollars? <laughs> what? <laughs> I missed all that. <laughs> I forgot about I forgot about the thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you're out. You're already out. You're you're, you're max your credit card out. He's he. My lame picks who might be my lame picks might be from like Vietnam or something. That doesn't that doesn't sound. It could be male or female. My lame picks sounds like this might be some you know that could be like a Vietnamese name, right? Bad joke. I think it's I think it's an Instagram thing. Oh, of, their pictures oh, are lame. Oh, oh, oh. You know, no, it's oh, M-Y, not M-A-I. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Sorry, sorry. Shout out to oh Vietnam. Are you got a thousand dollars? How you making knives? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, um, you can't get a two by seventy two for that. I'm telling you, just angle, angle grinder. So, yeah, yeah, right angle grinder community. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm I'm sending for a thousand dollars. I'm getting a, a, a hacksaw. Or I'm getting a I'm getting a portal band, I'm getting a right angle grinder. Oh, you know, just right angle grinder, and then uh, I'm going to send stuff out to get heat treated. Boom. Mm. Buy some sandpaper. I, I would do uh, I do the right angle grinder. Uh, you know, a little uh, cheap bench top drill press. Uh, some sandpaper, some good files if I want to do some draw filing uh, for the blade, and then. Uh, a forge, a little forge, coffee can forge. I would build my own little coffee can forge so I can heat treat out of that. That is an awesome thousand dollar. You win. You win. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that. You can do that. That would be, let's say that's like maybe $500. A couple of hundred. No, that's like yeah. 200 yeah. bucks. I could build that fucking thing for 200 bucks. Easy. Oh, oh, spicy Mike's back in the house. All right. Come on. Mareko, get it happen. <laughs> Andy Mareko. All right. <laughs> We got one. We got one last one. All right, from Prince Forgeworks. He says, "Hey man, what are these Scotch Brite belts for? I bought a few, but don't really know how, or sorry, don't know when to use them." I use them all of the time. Let's hear it. All of the time. I love oh. it. Let's hear it. They're great for for finishing. Really, um, I, I still hand sand it afterwards. Sure, but they'll just give you uh, just a really nice finish. For example, my steak knives are built to to be a certain price, and they're finished uh, with Scotch Bright belts. They give a really nice satin finish. Um, but I use them all the time, all of the time. Um, I use a Scotch Bright um, wheel as well on a on a on a bench grinder. Um, so you, you, you use it for the same thing for finishing, but that way at least you get your you know your lines going along the blade. Yeah. Um, they're just really, really handy, and they last forever. They're brilliant. Uh, for they you, they last forever. For me, they don't last forever, but they're great for blending. 
blending in your your uh, your finishing your uh, your the scratch pattern from the grinder. It's awesome, mm. awesome blending. Belt. Yeah, I thought you used them to try to kill yourself. Those shuckers, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I do finish my shuckers on the on the. Uh, yeah, I've learned my lesson. I won't do that again. I hope. Yeah, yeah, they're Sorry they're terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't face up. But you know who sells those belts? Oh, who? Lattebrace. Hey, That's it. Ten percent off. Knife Talk Ten, right? <laughs> Knife Talk Ten. That's the promo code. Knife Talk Ten. All right, let's do it. All right, this is the part of the show where we kind of – it used to just be me, uh, but it's all of us now giving our little uh, – our two cents about uh, just trying to help everybody with uh, learning how to make knives or different tips or tricks that we might offer. And so I'm going to kick it off today with um, – on on the notes, the show notes, it says knowing your market. And so uh, after being in New York this last week, um, one of the conversations I had or had a few times actually with the different people I was talking to – was the fact that I listened to uh, a lot of food podcasts or chefs podcasts. And that's because I specialize in chef's knives. And for, so part of that for me is understanding the world that they're in, what's going on. And that doesn't necessarily translate into how a knife is made. But un, I, I think knowing the, knowing the who the people are that are ultimately, uh, ideally, like your target demo whether they're professional or even home cooks. I mean, home cooks are listening to those shows too. But I think it just, it makes sense to be, to to pay attention. And I think, you know, so if you're a hunting, uh, you make hunting knives or fillet knives for fishing or, you know, whatever, self-defense knives, like you should be paying attention to what is going on in those worlds and what's changing or how, uh, how people are using them differently so that you aren't, you're making a knife that is, uh, adequate for the 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 common the use of the time i guess um but i think um yeah i think it's just i think it's important i get a lot of friends who ask me why i actually listen to these podcasts all the time and it's just like you know these are the people i'm trying to sell knives to why not why not listen to what's and know and understand what's going on in the world and also when you meet some of these chefs, because if you're getting into making chef's knives, um, I think, you know, like Jeff's fortunate and I'm fortunate and crazy. we're all fortunate to know, actually know chefs and have relationships with them. So we can talk to them directly. But if you haven't and you're looking to get into chef's knives, one of the things that would really help your game is developing a relationship with a chef. And part of that might be having a conversation about cooking with them and if you don't know what the fuck they're talking about it's going to be hard to carry that conversation or really have receive some meaningful feedback but if you have a little bit of better understanding if you if you take a knife skills class or a cooking class maybe you know maybe you you're transitioning out of making straight bowie knives and hunting knives and stuff like that and you you want to get into chef's knives but you don't really understand how they work you know you see that there's an opportunity in the market to make a sale, but, um, you know, you don't know how they're working. So take, take a class or something like that too, to help you better understand, um, how those knives are used. Um, otherwise you're, you're making a knife that looks like a chef's knife, but doesn't perform like a chef's knife. And that's not going to help get you very far at all. What, uh, so, what podcast would you suggest? What, what podcast was, you su- that you listen to? Yeah. So I listen, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Uh, let's see. I listened to, uh, Andrew Zimmern had one called Go Fork Yourself. Um, 
It's a really great podcast. It's got over 300 episodes, really insightful conversations with the chefs. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why I really fell in love with Andrew Zimmern. Um, just in that he's just a really, really solid guy. He's a really good guy trying to do uh, really good things with the platform that he has available to him, uh, being kind of the media mogul that he is. And so uh, that's a really great one. Starving for Attention is a podcast uh, by Richard Blaze. It's on Podcast One, which is Adam Carolla's podcast network. Um, that's a really great one as well. Um, again, professional chef. Uh, who he, he uh, you know, he was in the business and then he went on to like Top Chef and he's become this kind of celebrity chef personality, but he's still in it. He owns a couple of restaurants. Uh, actually, I think he's got about four restaurants now. Uh, and he has these connections with these personalities, these professional chefs, not just celebrity chefs, but professionals who are in the field working day in and day out, you know, 14 hour days. Uh, and he has those people on the show. That's another really great one. Um, I think those are the top two. Uh, speaking broadly, again, I was talking about Dana Cowan. She uh, she talks with a lot of professional, they're like strictly professional chefs um, in the culinary world, female professional chefs. Um, I would say those are definitely my top three. And there's all all of them have a huge backlog or archive, and that's a, that's a pretty good starting point, I think, for anybody looking to learn more. My favorite. You know, one I'd recommend. It's one of Jeff's buddies, Tony. Um, overseasoned. That's right. Um, oh, all right. It's, it's a you know it's re- it's restaurant focus. It's not necessarily food focused. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's good content. And and Mareko's right. You need to immerse yourself in this world because you need to understand what your customer understands. Yeah. Overseasoned is a good one. I, I, t- I Tony and Xavier. Uh, one was a chef and one was a sommelier, and they they get ba- deep down into the restaurant industry. They're, it's a, it's a really great podcast. Shout out to Overseasoned. Love it. <laughs> So my tip for a young knife maker is um, I had an email. This was probably about three weeks ago um, from from a lady who said her 15-year-old son really enjoys making knives. Um, he's not very social. He doesn't get out much, um, keeps himself to himself. Um, but she, she asked me if she thought um, knife making could be a profession for him. Um, and I think, well, why not? Why not? It, 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 but it got me thinking. It got me thinking a bit more as – you know, myself as a knife maker, what what skills do I need? Um, and as well as the knife making, which is obviously, you know, 90% of it, there is 10% of it that you need to spread thinly everywhere else. You need to be, you need to be the marketing guy, you need the customer services guy, you need to do shipping and distribution. Because most of us, we don't have a team of people around us. We're, we're just, you know, it, it's those listening now, most of you are probably just one guy there in a shop you know, you need to provide for your family. It's just yourself. You need to do it all. Um, so I'd say take time out and, you know, be the best marketing guy you can be. Be the best customer services guy you can be and be the best at shipping you can be. You know, don't put everything into knife making 100% because you're going to burn out. So get these other things and they can become new interests for you as well, you know, so it's, whether it's marketing or whatever. But these are skills that you will need and I guarantee the better you are at each of these skills, the better service you'll be able to provide. Your knife making, I mean, that is your bread and butter. That's going to be a 90% of the work all of the time. So you should always be you know, dedicated to that and making each knife better. But you need to dedicate time to these other skills as well. So that's that's my little tip. Is, how old is this kid? He was 15. How much? 15. 15? So he was... 15 so he's coming to the age where um he's you know he's considering leaving school 
Um, and I think his wife was maybe his wife, sorry, his Jesus mother Christ. was <laughs> maybe his mother was maybe a little bit worried, as in, you know, is could this really be a career? So I, th- I think I, I'm not going to mention names, but I think he listens to the show, and maybe he'd mention to it to his mum. So she sent the email across. Um, but I think, yeah, it certainly can be a career for you know for all sorts of people. I- um, but Consider it's not just knife making. There are these other elements that are that are needed. I'm a, yeah. But you have to also tell this young man who I'm with. I'm with you, my brother. I'll tell you what. If you work in a metal shop, it doesn't matter if you're making knives or whatever. This, the the skills that you're going to learn in regards to how to make something happen, how to execute, how to have an idea, and and the rewarding feeling of actually putting it together is worth it, whether or not you're a knife maker or not. Uh, you could you could definitely working in a, in a with your hands in any kind of shop under supervision and learning how to measure, learning how to drill, learning how to use grinders. You know how to it's just, it's so rewarding in, the, in in this society we we don't necessarily uh, we don't act, we don't uh, accept and we we, we kind of look down on people who work with their hands. But the people who are learning how to work with their hands, the skill learning skills, not just how to do stuff, but how to like you know, execute in general, it's the most rewarding thing you can do. Absolutely. My father used to, my father, I'm sorry to say, but my father used to hate it that I was a welder. He used to, he used to refer to me very, uh, you know, with his nose down to me, saying, my son, the welder, it was always very, he was never very proud of what I was doing. So just Mm -hmm. remember that there are people who have that, that feeling. I I just want to say, you know, Craig was bringing up a good point. Marketing is a very powerful or very important part of this whole thing and that's that's the storytelling of who you are and uh and what you're doing and i think uh the person that's been a really influential for me has been gary vaynerchuk um but realistically he has been he's been a major resource for me to help figure out you know how to get to where i i kind of am now basically i started out back in 2000 or i first started following his stuff in 2015 and uh it's it's made a huge change in my ability to reach people in a meaningful way and i think marketing is a big uh is very important uh seth godin i'm actually listening to a book uh by seth godin right now called this is marketing that's also another really great book it's it takes it from being you know shameless advertising and self-promotion and it's actually talking about how what's more valuable in today's current market and the way we do things in with the internet especially is to become a resource for people and to bring values bring value to others first before you ask for something in return and i think gary that's a, i think that's gary Van, gary gary Van, vanderchuk looks like a drained out shaggy from scooby-doo he dresses like he dresses like they let the blood out of him with those dumb beanie hats and that and talking like he's going to knock you out in the you know he's four foot five and he's going to tell you how it is it, it does his way about him is 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 never been for me but you know well, I, I gotta I'm say w- the way you're describing him sounds a lot like you on this show some from time to time <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong I, my motivations are completely different from his i don't want to be your guru i i i grew up he doesn't want to be he, your guru either well he's, he's charging to be a guru that's for sure Hundred thousand dollars, and you know, I'm with you. Go ahead, I'm with you. No, no, no. He gives it all away, though. He really like every. I've never paid for anything from him, and I'm, I'm like basically where I'm at now is because of the stuff I've learned from following him on Instagram and YouTube. God bless you, Gary Vanderchuk. Liam Liam Hoffman too. Yeah, God bless. 
God bless little Gary Vanderchuk on his fly press. Make it happen, big guy. Drained out. <laughs> he looks like a drained out Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Come on, man. Let's go. All right. So I wanted to do a quick kind of uh, uh, one tip I, I wanted to do is when I started making knives, I started doing full tang knives, and they were very heavy. And what I started to see people do is taking a little bit of weight out of the handle. So what I started to do was I started drilling holes in the tang. I would drill the holes for the um, – we're talking full tang knives, obviously. So I, before heat treatment, I would drill out holes for the rivets or the pins, and then I would fire in a lot of holes all over the place. And I was – holes here and there and not too close to the edge and you end up with like 25, 30 holes, different sizes based on how much room you got. And I, and I, and part of it was to get, get weight out. Part of it was to give the epoxy somewhere to grip. And then I just felt like I'm spending too much time doing this. So what I started to do was recently, and it's been a very quick and efficient way to do the same, um, rip out the same amount of weight with less work is I would drill the two holes for the rivets and then I would drill three holes in the between the rivets, so in, in line. So if you think of the all the both the top hole and the bottom hole of your handle, and then you do three more holes, and then you oversize the inside holes, oversize the three holes. So you have a quarter inch hole at the top, and then you have three half inch for for the lack of a better word measurement. Or I don't have my phone in front of me, so I can't tell you what half inches in millimeters. Shout out to uh, make everything for sending out all those things. Blah, blah, blah. So you drill out the, the half-inch holes, and then you do the heat treatment. And after the heat treatment, you take your right-angle grinder, shout-out to the right-angle grinder community, and you cut the webbing in between those three holes. And you're left with a slot that takes a lot of room, it takes a lot of weight out, and it also helps you with the gripping of the epoxy, but it's a fast way to lose weight without having to worry um, about your heat treatment. And the, only, the best part is you do the drill the holes before heat treatment so you're not worried about any warp. You know, if you're, you're not going to really – you're not taking a lot of material out so you don't have to worry about warping. And then as long as you have those holes, you just cross the, the top and the bottom of the holes, cut the webbing out after heat treatment, and you have a lighter knife with less work. So at the end of every episode, we complain and we complain about something <laughs> that's gotten to us and it could be, it really doesn't matter. And, and this is a very, you know, sometimes we'll read off your beefs. We had an all, whole episode called the All Beef Review where we just read out uh, listener beefs. And now this is our chance to air out our, you know, whining. We're going to whine. Let's whine. Who's up? <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. Mine is bad internet, or probably more importantly, is my reaction to bad internet and how much I hate myself when <laughs> internet isn't good. <laughs> so this week we've had a few, we've had snow and all sorts here. So we've had a few outages and I just, I'm struggling with it. I struggle with it because I'd say the last 10 years I've become more and more dependent on the internet. So, you know, if I want to watch TV, it's generally internet-based or, you know, if I want to read, it's generally internet-based. Banking, everything that I do, you know, when I'm shipping knives, everything's internet-based. And when I've got no connection here, it just, it's almost as if I'm stuck in the dark ages, you know? And I don't know what to do with myself. It's crazy. It's just like, I don't know, I, get, I feel itchy. I, and I hate myself for that. So I don't necessarily hate the internet going down. I hate myself Your reaction. when the internet goes down. Exactly, exactly. Mm. I was talking to my wife about this last night, and she's a bit younger than me. So we, we were talking about it. And she said, well, 
I remember when, you know, she said when I was in school and we'd be on the internet and I was just like, what? You know, because I, <laughs> I discovered the internet, you know, when I was sort of 18, 19. And then, you know, you did everything, you know, not using the internet. You you could, you know, you go about your day-to-day job, or your, your day-to-day work, whatever you needed to do. And, you know, it wouldn't cross your mind because it wasn't a thing. But it's just got a hold of me now so badly. And I think I need to sort of disconnect more but it's mm. difficult, and I, I feel this anxiety when I when I do it. You know, when my phone is dying, I feel an anxiety, and it's it's something that I need to work on that to be better with. So, my beef is bad internet, but it's it's my it's my it's my beef really. It, my beef is with me. I give you a lot of credit as a human being for being to acknowledge that you're angrier at your reaction to something out of your control. That is one of the mm. hardest things to do. I'm doing something. Uh, I'll be talking about the next couple of weeks where there's a lot of moving parts that were out of my control and it was so frustrating and I was getting so furious. My, my wife is like, I can't be around you right now. You're being crazy. And I, it's that feeling of I can't control this. And how's my reaction? How does it make a difference? So I, God bless you for God bless you for kind of seeing that as in like how you can react to these you know things out of your control. Yeah. Well, really quick, I'd like to add to Craig's beef with the internet. I hate it <laughs> when it starts dying myself as well, but mostly because it messes with the podcast. And the the internet <laughs> here where I live is so weak that at the top of the hour when people are waking up, especially on the weekend at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, everybody's trying to use the internet all at the same time. And it pulls it down so low that I can barely have even a conversation with these guys and it pisses me off. It doesn't make sense to me, but okay. That's another reason I hate it. So when it comes to Sunday night and I come to edit in the show and I've got 15 different files from Morocco that I need to slot in. I hate it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Craig. All right. So my beef. It's not your fault. uh, My beef has to, (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, My beef has to do with people not giving credit where credit is due. And uh, this you know, I, it happens to me from time to time, but it's my frustration actually is usually more when it happens to other people. Um, and it's when people are just straight up copying and especially people who are established and and who have created kind of a voice for themselves. And then all of a sudden, very dramatically change their designs and uh, and which are almost a complete copy ripoff of somebody else's. I I absolutely understand and appreciate inspiration. And if you, if you gain inspiration from anything, anybody does, uh, I myself get inspiration from all kinds of people. And when I, when I do something that I'm using some of that inspiration, at least consciously using that inspiration, I make sure I shout somebody out and say, yo, first time I ever saw like Nick Wheeler, like Nick Wheeler doing the better tank. It would be foolish for me to say I created this or or just like not even mention him at all because it's out there and it's known that Nick Wheeler has that awesome video. And so it's just it's full. But this is more when it comes to actual the finished aesthetics uh, of a thing. Um, and so it, it, so I'm not going to get into naming names, but it it really pisses me off. Um, but also, I got to try to keep in mind, like you can't if if you are busy copying other people unfortunately like maybe that works for you in the short term but in the long term that's not going to pan out and 
I think maybe I should probably just calm the hell down <laughs> myself when Dang, it comes girl. to people copying. Well, you know, it should be bad if you're you're beefing for something pretty good. I mean, unfortunately, knives you can only do so much, and a lot of people exactly. see inspiration from other people. I am compl- when I say I'm with you in this one, I'm with you. I, I I when I even mention the bed tag thing, I me I immediately give credit where credit's due. I don't feel necessary that I need to make people feel like I've done these kinds of things. But and I've had people. In, not inadvertently, outwardly, you know, knock my shit off. Like, and, and it sure. gets to the point where I have to say to myself, and this is my own coping mechanism, that if I'm not, if I can't be more innovative and I got to rest my laurels on this one good idea, then it's my right. own fault. So I get very much along the lines of, look, the next one's going to be better and I'm not, I can't get worried about it. The only thing I get is I get bummed out. I get bummed out that someone's doing it. But other than that, you know, you have to have a, you know, I, it's frustrating, but you know, people aren't creative. I mean, people say the same things. People, people say that. Well, I, I heard podcasts where I've heard. Actually, you know what? I heard a guy, and I'm not going to say who it was. We were talking about something, and I heard the guy verbatim say exactly what we were saying. I've heard oh, it. Jesus, I've heard it, and it, and it got to the point where it was just like, and then somebody sent it to me, and they're like, "Well, what do you think of that?" I'm like, "Oh, look, he listened to the podcast. God bless him." So it happens, you know. Yeah. It's hard to be nuanced. It's hard to, to be truly nuanced. Right. Well, and I think I think ultimately what I'm getting at is, you know, it, I I already said, you know, if you're if you're taking inspiration, you know, give a little credit. But I think the reality is, I, I think unfortunately, the people that don't give credit, they think that they need to be the originator of a thing, and and that they that it's weak. I guess weak. It's put yourself in a weak position to admit that you've. Uh, accepted inspiration from someone else or advice from somebody else. Uh, and the reality is that the customers that we're working with and that we're building things for love seeing the evolution. And part of that evolution is learning from other people and taking inspiration from other people and 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 making yeah. it your own. And I think if you can't t- turn around and give credit back to the people that have inspired you in a meaningful way, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt you. People again. I think people mistakenly think that it hurts you or, or makes you look weak. And I, I think that's. I think the opposite is actually true. I think it, it makes you look stronger, and people admire when you say that you were inspired by this thing. And then it turns you know whoever your customers are or your followers are onto another new person, and you've become then that resource, you know, for those other people. Uh, so I think there's change, nothing wrong. Check your me. mindset. <laughs> yeah, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think there's an, I think there's nothing wrong with also saying that you're wrong. Like I, I'm a huge. I don't feel the need. I feel the need. I don't feel the need to be right at all. So it, sure. that's the other thing. It's like if I'm wrong, I, you know, I fucked up. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> well, my beef is a personal beef. I'm going after somebody. Nothing. Uh-oh. Nobody that you guys know, but I'm going to go after this guy. So I, I think that one of the things that helps me in life in general is I walk my dogs. I post pictures of my goofball dogs, and both of them are fine. They're great dogs. I enjoy walking the dogs because it's very meditative. I that's the time in the morning where I kind of figure out. Ex- I you know I mentally get myself ready for my what I need to get done during the day. So some of the people in the neighborhood really are. You know, people people don't realize that all dogs don't really like each other. And when you have a dog on a leash, there's something about the leash that can make a dog a little bit more aggressive than they normally would if the dogs are off the leash. You, sometimes you get a pile yeah. of dogs, you put them in the backyard, and they all start smithing their asses, and they make themselves, they make friends, or they don't make friends. <laughs> but when you're on a leash, 
it does something. I don't know if it's they're protective. I don't know if they're feeling, you know, like scared or whatever, but they start to bark at each other. Well, my dogs do that, and I'm very aware of that. I try to be very – when I see other people with other dogs or I see people who might be scared of dogs, I walk another street. I'm very conscious of the fact that my dogs are my responsibility. It would be like going into someone's car and just start smoking without asking for permission. Nobody wants it. So there's a couple guys who are just – I mean, I don't know what they are, but they're, they're brain dead. So this one guy that I'm going to talk about. He has – shout out to German Shepherds. I'm with you. I don't know what it is about German <laughs> Shepherds. I don't know what it is about German Shepherds, but sometimes dogs don't like German Shepherds. I don't know why, but I know for I know people who say my dogs hate German Shepherds. This is this guy. He walks up the street with his German Shepherd, and I don't know what ha- – there's a plenty of streets to walk up, but he walks in front of our house, and the dog jumps up on our front yard, and my dogs go bananas. Like – it's like werewolves in the house. That's why we started calling them werewolves because they're both terrifying. They hate this guy and they hate this dog. And the guy doesn't care. He just stands there. He wears clothing that's a little too tight. He's got a little bit of stomach so fat that you see his belly underneath it. And he's got it when he walks, when he walks. He has his mouth open, and we all know what happens when you walk around with your mouth open. If people, if you, listen, if you're walking around with your mouth open, my wife told me <laughs> that if you if you walk around with your mouth open, that automatically drops your IQ by ten points. So keep your fucking mouth shut. So this guy, he's, he's walking around with ill-fitting. Yeah, that's it. Negative 20, ten points. If you're walking around with your mouth open, minus ten points. The guy walks every day. Walks in front of our house. He listens. He stops sometimes and lets. Let's my dogs go bananas inside. He doesn't care. And what makes it worse is this is a man of the cloth. This is a guy who has a house of worship on the corner. And he is the most insensitive neighbor. He puts this bullshit stuff on the outside of his these little these little lines that he sees from the internet and he finds, you know, something about, you know, some bullshit uh, you know, uh I wish he was drained out Gary V, be honest with you, because he finds this bullshit um, that he puts up, and then he walks around. He's the most insensitive neighbor to the point where he once – we were walking, and I saw him, and he kept walking towards me. My dog's going crazy, and he's walking towards me with his mouth open. And I said – I had to say to him, like – and I can't control my two dogs. They want to go after everybody. And I said, can you – do you think you could just do something? Can you walk some other way? Or, and he just looked at me with that big, stupid, open mouth – and just like blinked. <laughs> he just blinked at me. And I was just like, oh, you're useless. And I said, you're useless. And I walked away. This guy is such a dumbass. And the fact that he represents a house of worship makes it even worse because he's a terrible representative of this particular religion. And I, I wish nothing for him but peace and prosperity. But wake up. You're leading a flock of people. Be a little bit neighborly. Be, don't be an idiot. Represent, represent your people. Don't be, don't be a moron. Beef out. That's it. I can't tell. It, 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 this guy is a, a grade A. I usually call him Father Asshole, I'll be honest with you. I, I Usually when I say to my <laughs> wife, I usually refer to him as I saw Father Asshole last night, and, and she knows exactly what I'm talking about. This guy is a douchebag. Beef out. Calm yourself, Jeff. Calm right, yourself. Fine now. It. It's all out. See, it's a, that's a... That's a, now it's a freeing experience. So I'm now I feel better about myself, and I'm gonna offer oh, I'm gonna offer I'm gonna offer feather a father asshole. I'm gonna give him a nice a fruit pl- 
played at some point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend myself because that's how the, the neighborhood people are. You have to extend yourself and be a brotherly person in the, in the, in the, in the face of idiocy. Drained out Gary right, off. Okay, go ahead. Jeff. Jeff, 30 seconds of joy. 30 seconds of something that made you happy this week. Go My on. daughter was in a play, and she did a great job, and I was very proud of her. She's got to go do it again today. I had a great job. She practiced, and she worked so hard, and she was terrific. But when I went to the play, all the parents couldn't stop fucking talking, and they couldn't control their kids. Well, stop, 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 stop. And it, stop, and it ruined stop. the whole That's experience. The and it ruined the whole experience because they couldn't they couldn't know how to behave in the audience. Let me watch my daughter and watch how hard she worked, but you got to talk, and you got to open your chips, and you got to get up to go to the bathroom, and then the door's squeaky. So my 30 seconds of joy was just that. I was happy for 30 seconds. <laughs> That you asked for it. That's what it was. I was literally I talking to my wife. I'm like, from now on, we're going to sit away from other people. They can't stop talking and they can't stop saying things and they don't care. 30 Terrible. seconds of joy. There you that go. That didn't go to plan. I'll be honest. Well, do, you, do you think that you, to, do you to honestly, you do you honestly think that the listeners want to hear how happy, are, how happy things are? I think that they like it when we're a little bit miserable, just to let you know. I mean, I know. think finishing the show on a, on a happier note isn't a bad thing. All right, well, my yeah, kid's – I'm very proud of my kid. How do you like that? And that's not my 30 seconds of joy. That's 14 years of joy. There you go. Brilliant. There you go. Brilliant. Marekko, what happened this week that made uh, you very happy? When I was in New York, I went to uh, an awesome restaurant called The Frenchette. And uh, I think they just won Best of New York in the Eater uh, – yeah, through Eater – uh, they were voted the best restaurant, nice. uh, but the food there is phenomenal. Uh, Riyad uh, Riyad Nasser is a, a customer of mine. Uh, he's a really great guy, incredibly talented uh, French trained chef uh, from Canada, actually, and he he's just a great guy. And the food was incredible, so it was it was awesome to sit down and eat really, 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 really incredible food that I probably won't get to eat again. Possibly ever. <laughs> All right. Well, you never know. What'd you have? What'd you, What'd you have? have? I, you know, so when I, I know the chef, I love just saying, you know what? You do your thing and I'll eat it. And so uh, they, I think they started off with like this egg, uh, what was it? It was an egg souffle with uni. It was kind of, it was presented kind of like an omelet with a, with uni in it. And then uh, there was these, this kind of escargot. Uh, but they were a larger shelled uh, mollusk. I don't know what it was exactly. Abalone. Uh, mm, maybe, maybe. And then uh, the, you know, duck with fries, uh, and it's just I don't know. It's just nonstop deliciousness. Uh, sipping bourbon the whole time. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was just it was just a really in the the bar. I was sitting at the bar, so the bartender's really cool. Her and the the owner are really close, and so she she was a great person to sit in front of and just kind of bullshit with with all these crazy you know stock exchange people walking around being entitled and and making fun of them a little bit. <laughs> Thirty seconds of joy. You're running out. You're just yeah. starting to make fun of the stocks. You're starting to you're starting to make fun of the the people. I'm that was enjoyable. I had right, fun good. with that. It sounds like a plan. So so is it French-themed food? French-themed there, is it? Yeah, both him and Lee Hansen, his business partner, uh, they're both French-trained. They've opened a bunch of very successful restaurants in New York. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so they – I think uh, Riyad Nasser actually got his start working for Danielle uh, Danielle Belude at Danielle Mm. there in New York. Outstanding. Nice, nice. Yeah. 
they need some of my Frenchies, some of my French steak knives. I'm sure of it. He, sure you it. know what? He does need <laughs> steak knives, and you should talk to him. Ah, I should connect him with you. Definitely, definitely. I'll I'll talk to him before this goes out Monday. Otherwise, he's going to get a deluge of emails. Right. <laughs> so my thirty seconds was. I'll be very quick. Um, most of you listening are American, so you won't understand rugby. It basically, it's like your American football, but you don't take as many <laughs> we know breaks. What rugby you don't is wear here. Pads. <laughs> You don't wear pads. You don't take as many breaks. So it's like it's like a real man sort of sport. <laughs> real man, um, real man sort of every sport. Every year yeah. we have this. Every year we have the Six Nations, which is Wales, England, Scotland, Ireland, and France in a tournament. And it was the first game last night. It was Wales, France, and Wales won, which is incredible. Um, and it made me very happy. So that's my Believe thirty it. seconds of joy. And shout out to our boy Proper Church, right? Proper Church, Ireland. He's a, he's a listener, isn't he? He is Proper a listener. Church. He's he's a follower. He's a great guy. He's a bladesmith and he's a rugby player. Too, yeah. yeah. Ireland are playing today, England today. All right. Today being, today being Saturday. So right. we're we're on Proper, Proper Church. Church's team, right? We're, we 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 follow Proper Church. Whatever. Pro, what's his his name? Cian, right? I don't know. I can't remember. I just know him by his handle. Right. Well, we're on his side. Well, if, if they play, if if Ireland are playing England, everybody's an Ireland side, surely. Everybody. We're on his team for the for the whole. He's he's the Mareko Mamasi. We want him to eat the spicy wings and win the game. We're with proper church all day. That's it. No, there's nothing else. So if it's proper I church, think, or I, nobody. Know, I think they're their favorites to win the total. Well, that's the Irish, it. The Irish. It's the Irish, or go fuck yourself. It's it. We're, we're with him. Nice. I'm gonna that's, send him a message that's a right show. after that's this. A show. That's it. I'm with you. That's that's a T-shirt. Irish or go fuck yourself. That's a T-shirt. There you, go. you know what? We are on so many goddamn. I'm tired of the T-shirt business, but we got we got. Yeah, let's do it. Ireland or go fuck yourself. That's it. That shout out. A shout out to so, Joey. Shout out to, to Joey Diaz. That might be a Joey Diaz thing. I can't cop to that one. Never mind. Yeah. We're with. So we've got new T-shirts. We've got Jeff's um, knife talk handpicked T-shirt. That's still available. We've got a new one going live today, which is the um, an Angle Grinder community shirt. And hopefully we'll have another one next week. But um, thanks for listening, and we shall speak to you next week. Adios. Thank you all. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.